Tuesday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Well, it finally happened, everybody. The NHL Entry Draft 2020 edition is in the books, and what a wild draft it was. There's so much to unpack here, but before we get into all of that, Jake, CJ, how are how are you two feeling after after the marathon four-hour live stream that we just did? I am feeling renewed and replenished after my nourishing meal of McDonald's. Oh, it, it's oh, yeah? nice. It's nice to know one of right. us feels like that. I'm very, very tired. I'm trying to keep yeah. my energy levels high. And the pizza that I had during the live stream, I guess I was the only one who actually ate during the stream, uh, is now weighing me down. And I had another slice afterwards. I had chicken breast, spinach, and rice after our stream. Sounds like one so of that, us actually decided to be healthy and to provide themselves energy for this show. <laughs> That's overrated. Well, I have fake. to ask. I have to ask, CJ, what did you have for McDonald's? Please tell me it was spicy chicken nugs. Yeah. I did. I had I had a six-piece spicy chicken McNuggets, a double cheeseburger, and a medium Sprite. Wow. That's impressive. Are those spicy chicken nuggets any good, by they the way? They are fantastic. They are. I'm very impressed with they're them. Better yeah, they're better than the regular nugs. Better than the regular nugs. Wow. Wow. You... McDonald's, you need to add on. We've, we've, we're piling on the sponsors. McDonald's, you could be one of them. Maybe I'll just tarnish my healthy meal after this and just go and get a, uh, a McDonald's order going here. All right. It, it's Enough been a long day, as, as you and, all can tell. We we did a Twitch stream yes. for three hours and 45 minutes, as I think officially where it clocked in. Yeah, 3.43, I believe, is the number. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a long day. Uh, we covered the entire draft. We, we reacted to each and every pick, and boy, oh boy, there were some picks that you know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll probably do a little roundup at the very end. But let's just start with what everybody wants to, to hear about. The Anaheim Ducks, number six overall, a pick that we have long expected now. Um, Jamie Drysdale is officially the pick, and at number 27 with the pick that the Ducks acquired in the Andre Kasha trade, they acquire Jacob Perot. So that is quite the haul. Um, let's just start with Drysdale, though, because that is obviously the key piece in all of this with that number six pick. Let's start with you, Jake. What is your initial reaction to the Drysdale selection? Or I guess, what, what, what was your, your initial impression yeah, when so, it first happened? So my initial reaction when it happened was, I mean, let's be honest here. Let, let's not kind of uh, candy coat it for anyone. Let, let's give people our honest assessment here. Is I was probably a little bit disappointed, to be honest. Um, I, I think I had hyped myself up on guys like Alexander Holtz. Hype myself up on guys like Marco Rossi, and I think rightfully so on a guy like Rossi. Um, Cole Perfetti is another guy that I, I was pretty high on and would have liked to have seen potentially in that spot. Um, and, and so Drysdale was a guy that I would have been comfortable seeing in that sixth spot, but wasn't exactly someone who would have excited me. And so I think from the perspective of a fan, um, it, it was a little bit disappointing, to be honest. But having said that, I also went into this knowing that I think that it is a completely defensible pick to take Jamie Drysdale at that spot. There are plenty of places that had him ranked uh, fifth or higher even by some place. I believe Elite Prospects have him, has him at fifth. And so he is a legit talent. And, and so I, I think we can get into this a little bit more as we go into some deeper thoughts onto this. But I think it's a pick that maybe there's a lot of people out there like me that were kind of disappointed at first because of the the hype around a lot of the the impact forwards that there were 
in this draft, but when you look at what Jamie Drysdale brings to the table, what he brings to the table is a right-hand shot defenseman, um, the steadiness that he can bring for this franchise. I think that it is a solid pick that is a risk, um, but is somewhat of a floor play, I think, at the end of it all. So, CJ, did you share in Jake's uh, initial gut reaction that uh, a bit of disappointment, maybe? I don't know if I would call it disappointment. I think it would be more accurate to say it was a predictable, like, okay, Fair. whatever mm-hmm. pick for me. Like, again, I like Drysdale a lot. I've loved what I've seen from him. I think he's going to be um, very good on the Anaheim Ducks. I just, I do share both of your opinions, though, in that I would have preferred the Ducks to go forward at that point, um, as I believe there were players available who probably would be more impactful for the Ducks later on down the road. Um, But that being said, now that the pick is in um, and uh, the fact that, look, defense is a need for the Ducks, um, I think it's a fine pick. I think Drysdale is the best defenseman in this draft class, and the Ducks did well to get him. So despite you holding the opinion that he is the best defenseman in this draft class, he was not the first defenseman selected in this draft Mm -hmm. jake sanderson Uh, yeah went fifth so make of that what you will my own initial gut reaction was that this is not the pick i would have made i'll just be perfectly transparent if you look at the way the draft shook out it shook out pretty much pretty close to what we expected lucas raymond went fourth overall we thought that might be a guy who's available at six who would have been a tantalizing option but the detroit red wings took him Uh, many expected them to take cole perfetti Then the Senators, with their second pick after taking Stutzla at three, took Jake Sanderson. So that left Anaheim with quite a few offensive options to go through. Alexander Holtz is a guy who's been linked to the Ducks. Marco Rossi, although I have never heard his name connected to the Ducks in any of the the rumblings before the draft, an elite offensive option. Cole Perfetti, the guy that many saw going at number four, was also available. So with all of these guys just sitting there, it would have made so much sense for the Ducks to mm-hmm. go and grab one of them. I would have Rossi at the top of that of that heap, followed by Perfetti and then Holtz. Any of those guys would have made a significant impact on the the Ducks' long-term prospects. Marco Rossi could be the best player to come out of this draft. Cole Perfetti could be one of the very best to come out of this draft. And so when you have the potential like that available to you, you would think that you would go and grab it. So my initial, my initial reaction was, this isn't the pick that I would have made. Now, spinning it forward, because obviously we have to deal in reality now, Jamie Drysdale is an excellent prospect. He does a number of things well that the Ducks currently do not do well. First off, he's a good defenseman. The Ducks don't have a lot of either good defensemen or good defensemen that consistently live up to their good billing. Uh, Josh Manson comes to mind. Cam Fowler in recent years comes to mind. The Ducks have been an awful defensive team for the last three years. So selecting a great defenseman like Jamie Drysdale makes total and complete sense. And Jamie Drysdale is an elite skater. If you watch him play, you really do get shades of Cam Fowler. The way he can transition up the ice is a really good first pass. He's got some decent offensive instincts. The power play quarterback potential that people have thrown out there I don't know if I necessarily see it just because I don't know if there's an elite shot there. Yeah. His creativity might not be the highest, but if Jamie Drysdale simply settles in as 
basically a deluxe deluxe version of Cam Fowler, meaning a guy who has all of those skating attributes, who has that mobility, but kind of puts it together a little sooner, whereas with Cam Fowler, it took a while for him to really get there. Then the Ducks have acquired a, a piece that they can build around for the next decade. So I, I think that that makes this pick yeah. A good pick. And, and I think he's a guy that is, while you're, you are correct there, that offensively, I think he's a little bit overhyped. I think he has a lot of talent. He He's really good at walking the line, but I don't think he's going to be your your number one uh, power play defenseman. Um, he's more a guy that could settle in on that second unit. He's a guy that probably will end up in the 40-point range is where I assume. But he is actually very good in, uh, in his own zone, and he's probably a lot better defensively than a lot of people give him credit for. Similar to actually Cam Fowler, he's a guy that exits the zone at a very elite rate. He, When the puck is on a stick, it gets out of the zone because of his skating and his ability to make a first pass. And same thing, he's actually very good at defending entries, um, uh, or basically, sorry, entering the other team's zone and also defending his own line uh, in terms of people uh, trying to come into his own zone. So this is a player that while he is hyped up because of his skating and potential offensive ability, what actually makes him very good is him using that skating in his own zone. And I think that this is a guy where you may talk about him in five, six years as being a guy that is so steady, so smooth in his own zone that he is the the person that propels the ducks offense because he keeps the puck out of their own zone and pushing it the other direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. CJ, anything to add to that? Yeah, I think that the one of the biggest things to remember with Jamie Drysdale is that he is a player who is very coachable. Um, he's a guy that a lot of the Ducks coaches and management are going to love because while he does have a certain defined stylistic element to his game, he uh, um, he can be motiv- moldable. He is a guy who is going to take direction very well. Um, you know, I, I have heard that coaches absolutely love Jamie Drysdale historically um, just because he's willing to basically going to be put in whatever role you want him to be in. And so while the Ducks still definitely need some more high-end pieces, Jamie Drysdale gives them a chance at a high-end piece on the back end. And even if it's not, he doesn't necessarily pan out um, on the high end, I I believe he does have a fairly high floor as well. Mm -hmm. And I've said it before that great skating can cover up a a lot of other deficiencies in a game. And that's something that's not going to go away anytime soon, barring injury. I, I, let me oh, jump. Right. Let me jump in here real quick. I want to add this from Elite Prospects. By the way, Elite Prospects go support them. Their draft guide is very, very good. I want to give some of the stats from it though, where they rated him at specifically. Um, first off, they've given a bunch of awards to different players. He is the second best straight line skater in the draft, the best skater in terms of four way mobility, the second best transition defenseman, and the second best offensive defenseman in the entire draft. Um, his grades, he got a. This is out of nine, is seven and a half on a skating. Five on shooting, seven on passing, seven on puck handling, eight on hockey sense, six on physicality, overall grade of an A. So this is a really, really good player that is a great puck handler, has a great first pass, and overall has a good sense of his game, which I believe uh, the way that you can interpret that for him is in terms of understanding the game in his own zone and positioning and where to be in his own zone. Right. And that's the thing with Drysdale is even though – you know, there's a there's an understandable disappointment that maybe the Ducks didn't go for that bigger swing, that home run swing. Jamie Drysdale is a caliber of defense prospect that the Ducks haven't had since Cam Fowler, really. Although 
Um, you know, they've had great defensemen in the interim, Hampus Lindholm, Shea Theodore, and they've had they made other, you know, good picks in between all of those. Jamie Drysdale, just the, the the clout that he brings to this system on the back end is something that they just haven't had in a long time. You know, Hampus yeah. Lindholm didn't enter his draft with, I think, the same kind of flair that Drysdale has, you know, representing Canada at the World Juniors, standing out in the OHL. He's just, he's a he, he's kind of a, a well-regarded prospect. And I do think that once we get a closer look at his skating, once we see that ability to exit the zone, transition the puck, I think people are going to, I think Ducks fans are going to come around to him pretty quickly there. Yep. I, I agree. I think, I think he's a player that a lot of people will warm up to. I think he, mm-hmm. he's going to have flashes. And I think that is one thing that, that endeared oh, yeah. camp that, that endeared Cam Fowler to a lot of people's hearts, uh, especially early on. And that's why he became one of my favorites is I think mm-hmm. he's just a fun player. You may have a, issues with him in his own zone, different things like that. But although there were other forwards that probably would have been able to have more goal scoring ability, different things like that point production, Jamie Drysdale is an exciting player. And I think that is one yeah. thing, one thing to, to key in on. And if you were to watch and go watch his highlight reels, um, if you go and check out actually the article on the website that I put up as a, uh, uh, his draft profile, you can see some uh, some highlights and also CJ's uh, kind of article breaking down them uh, the Ducks picking Jamie Drysdale. You'll be able to see the highlights of him. And there's one play in, in particular, which is actually funny because I think, Felix, you and I way back, maybe it would have been like, I don't know, May, June, mm-hmm. something around, the, around that time when right. you and I were really starting to dig into these prospects. You and I, I think around the same time, we're, we're watching the Jamie Drysdale video, and I think we were texting back and forth on it. And <laughs> yeah. we both we both got to the same shift at the same exact time where he kind of circles the entire offensive zone and is skating mm-hmm. backwards the entire time and eventually leads himself uh, behind the net and basically makes a pass to the front of the net that leads to a goal because the goalie was reading the other direction. And it just shows his skating ability and not only his skating ability, but I don't know if I've ever seen someone that can, is as comfortable or as smooth going backwards as he is. And especially with the puck on his stick. And I think that is the critical aspect that with the puck on his stick, he is so fluid in his skating stride. And and that's something that I, that that I want to really double down on here with Jamie Drysdale is that although there's already, I can, I see people with my mentions on Twitter and and even between our own conversations that he is seen as maybe a safer pick or a floor play. There's still a lot of untapped potential with Jamie Drysdale. His skating is still an area that he could exploit even more offensively, using that even more to his advantage. You just talked about a shift where he could just take over just with his feet, and I think that he can do that to to an, to a greater degree um, in the defensive zone. Like you talked about, it's not necessarily a strength, but right now he's listed, and of course this this could be wrong, but he's listed at 170. That's not a big person, and especially not for an elite athlete. So we, we heard about in his interview how his parents helped him set up a, a weight room in their living room in the beginning of quarantine. And so I would assume he's already put on some weight. And so once he fills out um, his that frame and once he gets even busier in the defensive zone, once his skating, he uses it even more aggressively, I think he could become a, a really dominant defenseman. And that's the thing that although I think Cam Fowler, th- there is that parable that's being drawn quite a bit. I think Gil- Jamie Drysdale. That. No, and no, but I think it's it's totally, it's it's reasonable to make it. Mm-hmm. But I think I think Jamie Drysdale has the potential to be a lot better than Cam Fowler a lot earlier. If you look at Cam Fowler, 
sure, he's he's got the fluid stride, but for large portions of his career, even if he was putting up points, the underlying numbers, the, the, the overall play wasn't necessarily there. And there are people who will blame it on his partners, but when it's a trend for almost a decade, you, you kind of have to admit it at some point. Mm -hmm. now, we did, now, we did see him really put it together last season, and I'm sure that that'll continue, continue for Fowler, but for Drysdale, there's the potential for him to reach that much sooner and really become an impact defenseman. So it, it should be an exciting pick, really, if you're a Ducks fan. Yeah. Uh, CJ, any more thoughts on Drysdale that you want to ch uh, chime in with? No, I think uh, I just wanted to add that I, I'm excited to see how Drysdale develops. I think we're going to see him in the NHL here pretty soon. I wouldn't be entirely shocked if he gets a nine-game look uh, at this upcoming season, whenever that happens to be. Um, but I think that uh, Drysdale is probably projecting, I could, I definitely see him in probably at least three to four years, uh, becoming the Ducks' number one defenseman and, and, and putting up some great impactful seasons for this team. Yeah, so well, I'll, yeah. And sorry, well, go the, ahead. The, the other thing to mention with Drysdale is that he is a right-handed shot. Which yes. is something yeah. that the, that the Which Ducks... Which is desperately needed. <laughs> well, they desperately need it by their own doing because they've, <laughs> yeah. they've systematically mm -hmm. chipped away at their own depth on the right side. And so I do wonder if the Ducks had preserved a bit more depth on the right side of the, uh, of the defense if they maybe would have valued Drysdale as highly. Um, I guess just throwing this to both of you just to play a little devil's advocate. So CJ... Let's say that, you know, you see the picks that, that went off the board here in this draft. So you had Lafreniere, Byfield, um, and then Tim Stutzle. After that, you have Lucas Raymond, Jake Sanderson. With the available players, who do you go with at number six? You know, I think I was a big fan of Cole Perfetti. So for me personally, I just love Perfetti's upside, his offense, his uh, dynamic capabilities, the fact that he could beat you in so many ways. Perfetti would have been my number one personal pick, probably followed by Rossi. Um, um, and then probably following that, I might put Holtz, although Holtz and Drysdale to me were like right neck and neck for me mm -hmm. personally. So, um, you know, I think that the Ducks uh, did fairly well with that. But admittedly, there were a couple of guys I think I would have preferred to see. Right. And, and the thing that I do want to just quickly add on that before we get to Jake's alternative history is for if, if they had come down to Drysdale or Holtz, if that was the comp, I think I've said this before, but... I was fine with them going Drysdale over Holtz because I don't, I don't know if Holtz will become as elite yeah. at his position mm -hmm. as as Drysdale will. So, yeah. Jake, who are you going with at six? So we're, we're doing we're doing a little mock draft again in a way. Yeah, at six. I mean, honestly, kind of with how this draft went went with them getting, uh, and we'll get into a little bit more with them getting Jack, uh, Jacob Perot at twenty seven. I think Drysdale is probably the way I would have gone. Honestly, maybe maybe make the argument of Marco Rossi because of the talent he has, but. I think that you're able to get Drysdale here, and you're able to get Perot at 27. I, I think that. Well, no, 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 but 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 we don't I, know that at this fair. point. Fair. So yeah, removing that from this, I wanted to state that though. But removing that from this, <laughs> I would have taken Marco Rossi. But I don't okay. think there. I don't think there's any way the Ducks would have. I think for whatever reason they don't like. Uh, they don't like he's, uh, he's his five size nine. or whatever that's, it is. That's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. If so, did you have anything else you want to add on your own armchair GM pick? Um, 
I have a little bit I want to add on Drysdale, but we can get to that in sure. a little bit. No, go for it. Um, so just a couple different pieces of information that I think are important. Uh, during the first 12 games of the OHL season last year, he put up 17 points. And one of the things was if he had uh, kept that pace up, he would have put up the most points by a defenseman in the last 20 years in his draft eligible season in the OHL. He did tail off a little bit and ended up with uh, underneath that, underneath a, just underneath a point per game in the OHL. So there is offensive talent there if it realizes itself. And the other thing is... Um, the other thing is that he, due to his age, and if the CHL-NHL agreement stays in place, um, they he will have to play in junior for two more seasons. So this season and the one after before he's eligible for the AHL. So so realistically, when do you see him making the Ducks as a full-timer? Realistically, I don't see him making the Ducks. This upcoming season will be 2021. Next one will be 2022. So probably 22-23 will be the first year he'll be on the Ducks. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, and then just to, to chime in my, my own pick before we, we go into the next segment here. So I feel like it's important for us to say who we would have picked just to kind of show that we are doing our own work. Um, for me at number six, it's probably not a shock to anyone who's been following, but Marco Rossi would have absolutely been my pick. Um, just the dynamic offensive upside that he brings, uh, the fact that he could become a, a driver of his own line, the fact that he can elevate his, his line mates, uh, which I'm sure Jack Quinn is just loving right now, uh, that that type of potential was just really uh, alluring to me. And also I think Cole Perfetti would have been another guy I would have looked at, like just like um, just like CJ said. Alexander Holtz, a little too one-dimensional for me. And then outside of that, um, but if you are going to go D at that point with Sanderson off the off the board, it's, it's obviously Drysdale. So any last items you guys wanted to throw in here on Drysdale? Anything, no. Any last lingering thoughts? I'm all good. good. Okay. Well, then, so we're going to talk to you here really quickly about uh, some new friends of ours that we've gotten to know very well. So support for Crash the Pond is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, an experience which CJ and Jake have... Uh, have dabbled into i myself have used the lawnmower 3.0 uh used it for beard trimming and i gotta say that led lighting it's i didn't realize how much i i messed up in in some of my trim work so i'm loving that but but you two have your own experiences yeah so so yeah i mean we've all been there we we've all been trying to clean it up down there you know you're you're kind of going around (laughs) and then all of a sudden you feel feel a little pain you're like what what and you look oh what is that well, <laughs> Manscaped has you covered with their Lawnmower 3.0. Its advanced skin take skin safe technology is there just to protect your jewels. It's there to protect that from happening. So there's no pain, no nothing, nice and clean, and you can really clean everything up down there. I've got mine right here. They sent us all some stuff. Honestly, one of the nicest things is what Felix just said. There's an LED light. It's one of the things that I didn't even think about, but now that I have it, I don't know what I would do without it, honestly. Right. So uh, right. the lawnmower yeah. 3.0, absolutely fantastic. I really cannot say enough good things about it. I've also used it on my chest, used it on my uh, all over. It is fantastic. Wow. Yeah. He's I, going variety here. Just I cannot, tool of all trades right now. I cannot tell you how great this thing is. But they've also sent us, and they also don't. They don't just have their lawnmower 3.0. They don't have your lawnmower. No. Th- just that. What else do they have? No. 
Well, so I've actually got them here. I, I pulled them out from my bathroom because I wanted to show you guys. Um, they have a couple of things here. They have what they call the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and a Crop Reviver. Ball refreshing. Yes, and then a Crop Reviver, which is the ball toner. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to get real here for a little bit. You know, men, you know, hey, we all, all know we're about all guys this. here. And, and, of course, ladies as well listening, but a lot of guys listening, and, so. And, and, and ladies as well, like, seriously, like, I, and, and I say this as dead seriously as possible, this stuff smells fantastic. Like, you know, it gets a little you know, grody down a there. funky. And so, we, we, honestly, it's just great to feel a little bit fresh, and um, uh, especially for those of you who just, who, who, who really like to make sure that they're clean, it's a great uh, uh, compliment to that lawnmower 3.0. So um, I, I I actually legitimately love both of these uh, yeah. guys, and they make me feel a lot fresher than I've ever felt. The the product's fantastic. All is fantastic. Lawnmower is waterproof. It's got a 7,000 RPM motor on it. All of the other stuff that CJ has talked about also fantastic. So make sure treat yourself. Go to manscape.com. Use the code at checkout CTP. You'll get twenty percent off plus free shipping. Um, your balls will thank you. Your balls will absolutely thank you. And when you, use that, when you use that code CTP, Charlie Tango Peter, it also helps the show. So there you go. 20% or, you know, off and free shipping. CTP, Crash the Pond, also works. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So on that note, the Ducks had another pick in the first round. Number 27. This pick could have gone so many different ways, so many different ways. But the Ducks, look, you you got to have a little luck. The Ducks certainly had that in 2003 with the selections that they made getting Ryan Getzloff and Corey Perry. And I feel like although this will probably not have the same magnitude, they got that same kind of luck. You had the, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets selecting Yegor Chinakov, who wasn't even didn't even have a picture on the broadcast that they could pull up. The Devils selecting Shakir Mukamadulian. Um, I mean, there was just so many things that had to go right. And at number 27, with Jacob Perrault on the board, they made the right call. A very dynamic offensive player. Maybe one of the best shots in this draft. Maybe the best shot. Who knows? Just an elite sniper. Great vision. Not necessarily the fastest skater. Not the most physical. Bob McKenzie really went into him on his consistency, on his overall work ethic. But he's a guy who just brings so much skill to the table. Um, he's This is exactly the kind of player you want to be picking at number 27. And credit to the Ducks because there were other guys on the board who they could have justified in taking. Uh, Brendan Brisson is a guy that would have been a fine pick. Maverick Bork. They, but they went for the most the highest upside guy. And just to give you an idea when I talk about his upside, so... For those of you who have been listening to the show, we had Byron Bader, founder of Hockey Prospecting, on a few weeks ago, and we talk about star probability, a guy's potential to become a top-line producer in the NHL. Uh, Jacob Perot is one of the highest star probabilities in this draft at 46%, right behind Cole Perfetti, Quentin Byfield, and Seth Jarvis. And if you just look at Byron Bader's personal ranking, so not, not really looking strictly at probabilities, still has him in the top 10 at number 8. So to get... That kind of potential at number 27, that's, it's what you want. So, Jake, what was your gut reaction when you saw this pick come down the pipe? Um, I mean, 
I was so excited. I mean, we all, all of us were, were very, very happy cheering basically on the live stream um, during uh, when the Ducks announced the pick. It was just a perfect pick. I mean, this is the, this is a complete upside play. I mean, there are some concerns, and Bob McKenzie, I think, put it out there where uh, Jacob Perot is. There are some concerns about his effort, about his willingness to play in the defensive zone, everything like that. Um, and well, yes, those are concerns. This is a guy that has elite goal scoring ability and has that ability not just due to finding the pucks in dangerous areas. He has an elite shot and can get it off in really uh, interesting ways to score goals. And that's exactly what the Ducks need. I mean, this is, you look at the profile of Jacob Perot, and we've talked about this other player that the Ducks probably should have taken with their second first-round pick last year in Arthur Kaliev in, instead of Braden Tracy. And the fact that we may look back and missing on Arthur Kaliev, especially because he's a king, is going to be a big mistake and one that hurts. You look at the profile of Jacob Perot, it's very, very similar to Arthur Kaliev. The knock on Kaliev was the fact his unwillingness to play in the defensive zone. He's only an offensive player. He doesn't compete. All of the all of the typical coach hockey talk that you typically hear to knock down a guy when he's a good goal scorer, and there's other things in his game that aren't fantastic. And there you're overlooking the upside to find a fault. And that's what it feels like with Jacob Perot. And that is the exact type of player they need. And as compared to um, last year where we were critical for them not doing it, this year you have to applaud them for taking that pick. Absolutely. CJ, what was your uh, what was your reaction when this came down? Yeah, I, I for those of you who were on the chat, I think I pretty much threw my hands into the air and was screaming, Yes! I mean, I, he was the guy, I started really wanting him, I think around what, pick 21, pick 22 or so, um, once it became clear that he was still available, I started thinking, man, I love Jacob Pro. Uh, again, that was the first thing that I thought of is what Jake said, is that his criticisms are a lot similar to Arthur Kaliev. And, you know, you heard on the draft show, at least on NBC, some comparisons to Corey Perry. Time mentioned uh, Corey Perry comparison in the chat. And while there's some things to that, here's the thing. Corey Perry has never been a great skater. Um, Jacob Pro can fly. He is an absolute fantastic skater when he wants to be. That's the problem, is that the the, the effort concerns are definitely valid. Um, but the thing is, is that he can just explode out of nowhere. And that, I think, is a very good sign and an even better block to build upon with Perot. Um, as you said, he's got an elite shot. I mean, the thing is, like, we've talked about Alexander Holtz having the best shot in this draft, and I still believe that. But Perot, in my opinion, is not far behind, and he may even be right up there with him. Um, he just needs to get put into the right places. He needs to be able to, um, uh, you know, have the effort, and he has to be able to be in um, the in situations where he's going to be able to utilize that shot. Um, but if he is, he is going to score a lot of goals. I can definitely see Perot being a prime candidate that if he if, if the flaws end up not necessarily panning out and he works on his game and he goes the development path of like Arthur Kaliev, I could totally see Zegras feeding Perot, you know, and, and Perot just ripping pucks into the back of the net. The fact that that could happen just makes me so damn excited. Um, and you know, Bob Murray has not made very risky picks. He's typically gone a lot of times with the high floor, low ceiling guys. 
this is not that pick at all. This is definitely an extremely high ceiling. I am thrilled that Bob Murray made this pick and really commend him well, and Martin Madden for it. And the, th- and the thing is, the argument for taking Alexander Holtz is the same argument of taking Jacob Perot. And now, granted, Alexander Holtz probably has a little bit of a better shot than Perot does, but I don't think it's that significant. I'm trying to actually look at where... I'm getting, and so that's the thing is you're getting a similar level of talent that everyone kind of wanted in Holt, but you're getting him at 27, and and that's where I think yeah. you look at this draft. And while yes, you could quibble about who they took at six, the fact that they got a different type of player and they replenish and diversifying the talent in the uh, in the draft pool with those two picks is so good because if you take Holtz and Perot, you kind of are replenishing in a very similar fashion. And now that's not a bad thing. You want high-end talent, but diversifying it up is also a good thing because that's how you end up winning is you get players, these they come into the system, you build out your roster through that. Now, if you get two players, maybe you move one, maybe you get something back on the right wing or on defense to help it out. But this is kind of the most direct path. And I think that that is the beautiful thing about this uh, about this draft pick. Yeah, and and the thing to keep in mind with Perot is that obviously the the shot is what everyone focuses on, and rightly so when you score 39 goals in in 57 games as he did this past season. But also, he's a very good transition player. So Mitch Brown, who tracks you know entries and zone exits and different things like that for elite prospects, I mean he has him in a in the elite quartile of this draft class. You know, 86 percentile for controlled entry rates, I mean, relative to his team. So that's <laughs> that's the thing, is he's not just the, the kind of guy who is a big shot. And that's a bit of how I view Alexander Holtz. I think Perot has a little bit more to his game, a little bit more that he can show there. Now, he might not have the frame, the shot isn't as big, but he's more than just that. And that's, and that's intriguing, like you said, especially at 27. Now, of course, I think it's important to note that the drawbacks, like we have a bit, the inconsistencies are somewhat concerning. There is questions about his actual production in the OHL. And was it uh, a product of playing on a very good Sarnia Sting team? Sure, you can ask those questions, but you could poke holes in the production of any player on any team in any draft. And I think that for Perot, there's just so much there to like. And at 27, it would have it would have been pretty, I think, pretty difficult of a pill to swallow to see him for to see the Ducks pass up a, a Jacques Perot type player. Because, like I said, the guys like Brandon Brisson, you know, they're they're nice prospects. And I think that they would have improved the overall pool. But Perot just gives you that upside that they don't totally have right now. Uh- so. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Red 999555 asks, is Perot better than Holtz? I don't know if I would go that no, far. No. Um, no, we're not Holt, framing it that way. No, it's just Holt's, it's the it's the value play. It's the fact that you're getting a guy with similar qualities in terms of their offensive toolkit, but you're getting him with your second pick late in the first round as opposed to really spending that ammo at the top yeah. of the order. And, and so just for reference, Alexander Holt's shot was given eight and a half by elite prospects yeah. and Jack Perot was given seven and, seven and a half. half. Yeah. So that's out of nine. Um, by the way, also of note, the, uh, what is it? The Sarnia Sting were not a good team this past year. And that does play into this, that mm-hmm. he did this on a bad team. And so if he, I would not be shocked if Sarnia is going to be bad again, if they potentially look to move him just because junior teams tend to trade high end talent to to replenish their their mm-hmm. system and get picks and different things like that because it's such a short window 
uh, mm-hmm. due to guys going out. So if he ends up on a yeah. better team with better talent and better players around him, you may see him skyrocket. And this may be a pick where we look back and say, ooh, that's a massive, massive steal. And I don't know if it's going to be the steal of the draft when you have uh, Cole Perfetti and Marco Rossi going as late <laughs> as they did. But it, there's going to be a chance because some people have Jacob Perot. Like you said, he's in the top 10 for Byron Bader. And there are plenty of people that have him in the in the top 20. And mm-hmm. for him to fall to 27, it could be an absolute steal. And just to clarify what I meant with that starting Sting team, so they just played a style, an up-tempo offensive style that yeah. definitely he benefited from. Um, so I guess just zooming out a little bit here, one thing I did want to add with Perot that I think is important with this draft is that, yes, they took Jamie Drysdale at number six. And if they had just drafted Drysdale and then maybe with 27, they take like a Helge Granz or, uh, you know, another defenseman, say a William Molinder, sure, you're restocking that defensive pipeline, which arguably could use the boost, but that places so much pressure on your existing offensive prospects, the likes of Troy Terry, Max Contois, Sam Steele, even a Trevor Zegras, who is right now the centerpiece still of this offensive collection. But now bringing in a Perot, although I don't think he completely alleviates that pressure, he does take a healthy bit of pressure off of these guys, and that's excellent. Adding another piece in there that can mesh with the other players, that can really um, elevate their games, that's really important. And and we, we heard a lot about going into the draft how an Alexander Holtz would make so much sense next to a Trevor Zegras. Well, in terms of shooting, they didn't, you know, we talked, we heard a lot about a Zegras to Holtz one-timer. A Zegras to Perot one-timer doesn't sound too bad either. And so they, they kind of nope. just checked all the boxes here, I think, with that number 27 pick. Uh, CJ, mm-hmm. did you have anything to add on that? I, I think that I'm just, I'm so thrilled because we talked about kind of a worst case scenario of the Ducks picking two defensemen in this round. <laughs> Doom, um, doomsday and scenario. I, I, the doomsday scenario, right? And what I think Promen at one point had the, the Ducks taking three defensemen. And so I know the Ducks fan base was definitely a little bit antsy. Um, but that being least, said, yeah, yeah right. Um, but that being said, the fact that they took the 27th overall pick, remember the pick that the Ducks got in the Andre Kasha trade and were able to turn it into this extremely high-value guy in, in, in Jacob Perot, um, who has a real shot to be a star at the NHL level. Um, I think that's just absolutely outstanding. And while I don't necessarily think that this pick makes the Kasha trade a particularly good trade, I think that they maximize the value that they got out of that 27th pick, and it definitely makes it look better. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, well, that is something that I wanted to touch on was the Andre Kasha deal. So, Jake, uh, with with all of the praises <sighs> that you're singing here of, of Jacob Perot, um, how do you feel about... Because, let's face it, you've been on an island when it comes to criticizing the Andre Kasha Have trade. I? I feel like you've been on the island with me. Why are you taking yourself off that island all of a sudden? Not as hard myself. as you are, though. I'm, I'm, I'm burning. Not as hard as you are. I'm, no, I'm bur- Felix, Felix joined the island. Felix joined my island at one I'm point. I'm burning the boats right now. I'm just burning the boats. <laughs> but um, you, you've, you've gotten on a boat and lit the rest on fire. I would say that you've been more. You've been consistently more aggressive with your stance than I have. Yeah, that's, that's I fair. think I've that's generally fair. agreed with you, but you have been beating the drum <laughs> since the trade came down basically you've you've been all over it so if i told you 
way back when, when the world was still normal and then this trade went down, that the Ducks were acquiring David Backus, a pick that will become one of the most undervalued prospects in the first round and that could become a legit score in the NHL. And Axel Anderson, how would you feel about it then? It definitely changes things. I to, think what, I, to what degree, though? I mean, I, th- I still think you can make the argument it wasn't a good trade. Yeah, yeah, I still don't think it was good value. I think you should get more than that from Andre Kasha. I, I think it, it, it changes it a little bit, no doubt. I, I think that you you can't uh, you can't frame it any, any other way. They got a seal of the draft. That does change things. You, you can only look at the, the draft pick in terms of position for so long before you start associating it with that player. So now it is Jacob Perot, Axel Anderson, um and uh and david backus for andre kasha and and Mm. so it it depends i still don't think it's a fantastic move and it's a situation of i just don't think it was proper value for andre kasha in terms of what i viewed as his value i have no doubt that the injury concern definitely affected his value and that brought down his price or his uh his value in the trade the potential return but I think that might be an argument for keeping him, letting him raise his value and then getting more. Now, having said that, if that they wouldn't have done that deal, if they would have tried to get more value, if they would have gone somewhere else, you don't get Jack of Perot. Mm-hmm. So it, it looks better, no doubt. I, I think that you have to put it that way. I still don't know if I, I do can, that deal. Jake, I can see the smoke just absolutely piling from your head right yeah, now, yeah, just yeah, trying yeah. to think through this. <laughs> it, it, the the wheels are turning. I was hoping we wouldn't have to get to this. I was hoping I got enough crap during the live stream that it wouldn't have to happen again. But uh, of course, yeah. it was brought. By on the me. way, by the way, I just want to bring this up really quick. Um, e Rise brings up in the chat that is that, that is a good getting point. Falk from the Canes. Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah. Um, Wait, what, I think that the that? Ducks really dodged a bullet. Uh, getting getting that return for Andre Kosh is a lot better than getting Justin Falk oh. from the Canes. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. I still think the trade has its has its kind of weaker points, but knowing now that you get Jacob Perot out of it, that's that does make a difference. Um, and Jacob Perot could very well become. I mean, he's already a better prospect than or a, a higher regarded prospect than. Andre Kasha ever was, and he has the potential to become a better player than Andre Kasha ever will be. So that's, you know, I, I think you have to factor that in. But yeah. you can't you can't completely change your view of a trade just because of how it plays out after. To me, I still believe that you got to judge it in the moment because that's you're you're simply using the available information. And, and we talked about this to some degree, I'm sure, when we broke down that trade. That hey, if the Ducks hit on that pick, great. Um, and that's it's trending that way of course it's yeah it's draft night so we we can't get too far ahead of ourselves here um we've got a little bit of time here what i'd want to touch on and i'm sure in a bit we'll we'll get into some questions but now if you look at the ducks prospect pool and kind of their long-term prospects starting with you cj how how much further along do you think the ducks are now how much better prepared are they for the future with with what they did tonight in the first round I've really liked these last two drafts, uh, specifically the last two first rounds from Bob Murray. Um, Trevor Zegers, we all know, you know, most people have him ranked as the number one um, NHL affiliated prospect. I'm not sure if that's going to be a little bit different now with Lafreniere. It might be, you know, I, I would probably put Lafreniere above Zegers at this point. 
Um, but, you know, Zegris is one of the top prospects in there. I'm still a big fan of Braden Tracy. Braden Tracy is also, um, uh, analytics are a big fan of him also. So um, we will see kind of how he develops. And then, of course, you've heard our takes on Drysdale and Perot. So I've really liked these last two first rounds. I think that the Ducks are going to be better for it uh, a couple years down the road. Um, so I, I definitely have to commend Bob Murray for the um, uh, for the job that he's done. Now, if I'm going to compare it here to the Kings, for instance, the Kings just, you know, they got a monster in Quentin Byfield. Their last, like, two or three drafts have been absolutely outstanding. Um, Alex Turquette, um, Akil Thomas, Arthur Kaliev, you know, they, they've got so much high-end talent. I, you know, I just, I see the Kings getting back to contention quicker than the Ducks, and especially them um, uh, winning a championship ahead of the Ducks at this point in time. So I do think that this is a good direction, but I don't think it was this massive step. Um, I still am having issues seeing the Ducks, you know, I'm, 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 I'm having trouble finding the clear path back to a cup for the Ducks right now. I think is how I'm gonna put Jake, it. Jake, how do you feel um, about I that? I think, um, yeah. The the way I feel is that I, I think the 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 key thing to take away from these last two drafts is they've built the skeleton. Uh, we can we can argue a little bit whether or not this is a valid way to do it or not, but there is a general held belief that you need to build your team from the goaltending out. So you need to go get your goalie, then you need to have defense, you need to get center, and then wings are the least important thing that you can fill in after the fact. The Ducks have now done that. They've built that skeleton. They've got, obviously, one of the best goalies in the league in John Gibson. How long he will stay in his prime, if he'll be there by the time uh, Drysdale's there and everything like that, who knows? But they have Gibson there right now. They also have, just for reference, uh, Elite Prospects just put out their ranking of goalies, and they have the 10th best uh, goalie not in the NHL in Lucas Dostal. So they do have a fantastic goalie within their system in Dostal. They have the number one pro- or prospect not in the NHL in Trevor Zegras per elite prospects. Uh, that's prior to this draft. So that's uh, already drafted prospects. Um, and now they have one of the best defensemen. I would assume probably if you were to put him on this list or do an uh, equate him to someone, uh, what would you say? Bowen Byram is a, a similar comparison. And Bowen Byram went, is sixth on this list. So I would say D- Drysdale could be potentially top 10 on this list. So mm-hmm. the Ducks have now ha- now have the number one and a top 10. The issue that they have is that that's it. On the list of 75 eligible prospect or 75 prospects, there's one duck currently on that list in Trevor Zegras. Now potentially two, maybe Jack Pro also ends up on there. So the skeleton's there. Now they need to fill in the other pieces. And maybe Sam Steele, maybe Max Jones, maybe those are the guys that fill in on the the rest of the roster. They have a core there, though, to move forward with. And I think that's the critical thing from this draft. Yeah, just to echo some of that before we go into our our final little break here. So with with Perot and Drysdale in the fold, like you two have been kind of saying, I think that now you can see the framework for how this is going to go. You have Zegras up front as your centerpiece. You have Drysdale now potentially on the back end as that centerpiece. And we all know what John Gibson can do when he's at the top of his game. So now you have to fill out from there. But at the very least, you can start seeing the base, the foundation for how it will all work. And I think you you raised a good point there. Maybe the Terrys, the Steels, Contois, maybe all these guys, they're, the, they're that, that missing piece. I still think that you need some higher-end guys to come in, some more young players, and, and they'll surely be able to snag some in the later rounds, you know, tomorrow and in next year's draft. But 
you also need a Jacob Perot to, to hit. You know, we talk a lot about his potential, but he does need to really get close to that ceiling for him to have a massive impact or even a significant impact on the Ducks rebuild moving forward. So I wouldn't call today, you know, a, a giant leap forward, but it, it was a significant step in the right direction. And that's important for this Ducks franchise, who we've so often criticized in, in the past few months saying how they don't really have quite those elite pieces yet. I think that they did a a, a big kind of, they, they made a mark today that's going to be felt maybe for a long time, especially if Jamie Drysdale does become that kind of go-to top four defenseman. So, um, now it's time to, to have a little word from another one of our new friends, uh, Mac Weldon. So we're all working from home right now. You guys are all, or we're all working from home. We're all adjusting our attire. I'm no longer wearing dress pants every day with a button down shirt or a polo shirt. There's a new normal kind of in terms of uniform that we all are doing. And we're kind of searching our closets, right? For, for new clothes, trying to figure out what to wear, whether it is, uh, uh, whether it's a, a, knit, a soft knit polo, whether it's a t-shirt every day, whether it's jockers, whether you're like me and you wear board shorts basically every day. Yep. That is basically what I wear every day when I'm working from home, you know, <laughs> gotta stay, gotta stay comfortable. Um, but so whatever men's basic clothes you need, Mac Weldon has got you covered with an unmatched comfort and fit. So at Mac Weldon, you can get all sorts of men's essentials from socks, from shirts, from hoodies, underwears, polo, activewear, everything like that. Mac Weldon promises comfort and consistent fit. I actually have in the mail right now coming to me uh, a very fresh uh, pair of underwear, some socks, some uh, some sweats, you know. It's getting a little bit colder out there. You're going to want to wear sweats <laughs> the, during the day. It's in the 70s now. And exactly. Once it gets <laughs> to the 60s, that's no longer board shirt hey, weather. We have we have listeners in colder regions too. So Exactly. And so they mm-hmm. could use sweats also. We welcome all temperature they, listeners. They have sweaters. I, I've ordered a long sleeve sweater from there. It's great. And I'm really excited to try this stuff on. Versatility though, you're going to look and you're going to feel great with it. Um, it's going to be great for whether you go out. Whether you end up being back in the office again and you need to have some chinos, they've got some chinos there also. And they've got a wide range of fabrics that you can get with that different type of, with all of your different material um, and whatever look you want to do with it. So on top of that though, one of the best things at Mack Walden, they have a loyalty program. I know, do you guys like loyalty programs where you get yep. rewards just for going to their site? Yeah, as long as it's easy to, to get, I, I love me a good loyalty program. And Weldon Blue is exactly that. Totally free loyalty program level one gets you free shipping for life level two (laughs) you reach by spending two hundred dollars and you get 20 percent off every order for the next year that's right that's actually really damn good the next year and so with mac weldon they want you to be comfortable and so if you don't like your first pair of underwear yes they do have fantastic underwear you can keep it and they'll still refund you no questions asked absolutely great product and so for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash CTP and use the promo code CTP at checkout. That's CTP for Crash the Pond. That's MacWeldon.com slash CTP. Promo code CTP for 20% off. If you were to place an order for $200 or whatever and get and add your 20% off, you then get 20% off of your order for every order that you do the rest of the year with the Weldon Blue program. So once again, MacWeldon.com slash CTP. Promo code CTP for 20% off. That's Mac Weldon reinventing men's basics. Well, there you have it. So let's do a little roundup here, some final bits and thoughts before maybe we turn it over 
to some questions in the Twitch chat. So if anybody has some questions, maybe th start throwing them in there. So any final thoughts, any loose ends, anything you might have wanted to see go differently for the Ducks here, guys? Um, um, I want to, um, I want to just kind of recap here. We did this on the last live stream, but for those of, uh, you who are listening to the recorded version or who couldn't make us, uh, make it with us for the live stream of the actual draft itself. I'd like to just get everybody's, uh, letter grade again. So I think me for to me, it. um, yep. So I think uh -huh. for me, I would give this draft an A for the Ducks. Um, I, I, I you know, Drysdale is going to be a very good player. He makes sense at the six overall pick, and he addresses a big need for the Ducks. Um, and then Jacob Perot was, I think, who we were hoping for. Tremendous upside to that pick. Huge value. Um, this is something that's a little bit out of character for Bob Murray, who has usually taken the safe players. So we love to see him taking a risk. We've got a potential star here on our hands if things break the right way. So definitely giving this an A overall. Jake, so, what you got? I think the Drysdale pick I would probably put at a B. A solid B. It's one that wasn't necessarily an upside play, but it's solid. It's above average. Let's remember, C is average, B is above average, A is a way, way above average. So I would say that B is kind of where where I'd put the Drysdale pick at. Maybe B+. Plus. I've maybe talked myself into B+, plus a little bit there. Um, as for Jacob Perot, that's an A+. Plus. I, I think there's really no other way about it. He fell to them. They lucked out a little bit, but they still took him when other teams didn't. That's an A+. Plus. I think overall I'd give this draft an A- minus overall, which is very, very, very good. And I think last year with Zgrass, I think we were all in the B range for that draft because we I think our I think our conversation was if they somehow, because there was chatter that they were maybe going to trade up, and if they had, that would have been an A, no doubt. And I think we were below, we were in the B range last draft. So I, I think I would rate this draft when combining both picks. I'd say this draft is better than last year's. I think if you're looking for the more impactful player, last year got the Ducks the more impactful player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for my overall grade for the first round, I'll go A-. minus. I think that the more I've thought about it, I am trying to be consistent. I've been the one that's been really driving that they need a forward at 6. So to go all in on an A, A+, would maybe be a bit too much of a reversal, but an A- minus is still very good. I think that a B for Jamie Drysdale makes perfect sense, but total A+, on getting Jacob Perot at number 27 it's a good haul, and if you just kind of blend up what they've done in the last two first rounds now, getting Zgras, Drysdale, Perot, and Tracy, that's those are the building blocks. I mean, the Ducks are going to, if they're going to climb their way out of where they are now, all indications are that they're going to do it through the draft. And Tre Trevor Zgras, what's interesting is that if you look at last year's star probabilities, which we haven't talked a whole lot about, Trevor Zgras would have been, let's see, he had the one, two, three, four, four, five, sixth highest star probability in that draft. So to get him at nine was actually a really solid value play. I just wasn't quite as high on Braden Tracy where they got him. Yep, um, I but, agree. but with the way Zgras is developing in his, in, a in his draft plus one, the way that Perot can develop now um, and where Jamie Drysdale will surely go, that's, those are, the, like I said, the, the building blocks. Um, so yeah, I, one thing I was curious about, for six, was it Murray who announced the pick or was it Samuele? Henry Samuel, I forget. I think it was Murray. I, it was Murray. Yeah, it was Murray. Well, well they, Madden, they, they did that. They did that really nice video uh, yes. highlighting some essential workers. By the way, friend that of the pod, really former cool. former uh, beer league teammate of ours, uh, uh, Luke Smoody, appeared mm -hmm. on the screen during it. So shout out to him. 
Yeah, no, that was a really nice touch. There were some really nice touches all around in some of the presentations that teams did before their picks. Um, but Martin Madden announced the number 27 pick. And I just get a feeling that that may have been his pick. I'm just the, and, and this was the compromise. We, we have a question on that, so we'll get to that. But before we do that, mm-hmm. I'm not going to let you off the hook, Felix, right now. You okay. put me on the spot. Okay, put me on the spot. With, with the Kasha trade. Okay. It's been a day for the Montreal Canadiens. And you had a moment on this show on on the you had a moment during our our watch along uh-huh. when Caden Gooley was announced as being picked by the Montreal Canadiens. You were not too happy with that. How it's, has your day been? How do you feel about Montreal right now? I I'm pushing it so far to the back of my mind right now. It, it's it's almost leaking out of the back of my You're head. You're torturing him mentally today, aren't you, hey, Jake? Hey, he went at me by leaving me on my island by myself. That's fine. <laughs> I would say this. With Caden Gooley, it's almost in, it's a similar rationale if you're a Ducks fan who's disappointed that they didn't take a forward. The Canadians could have had Dawson Mercer. Jack, Jack Perot. Yeah, at 16, that would have it would have been a reach, but yeah, maybe a bit rich for my blood. Dawson Mercer might, I mean, could end up being not as good as Jacob Perot, but he would have been the the pick for me there. I wanted to see them get another high end forward. They did not do that. Caden Goalie projects to be a good defenseman, solid in his own zone, good transition player. So I can't really fault the pick, but you trade Max Domi for Josh Anderson. You hear Mark Bergevin talking about how they're he's thinking about the now. They need to be better now, and I'm just I'm a little concerned where this is all going. So that, that's all I'll say. Um, so let's uh let's just do some quick hitters here before we do get in some questions, since we are approaching the hour mark. Um, CJ, what were some of the standout moments for you? I guess let's start with this. What is your favorite pick or favorite moment of the first round today? Oh, well, uh, my probably my favorite moment of the first round um, wasn't who somebody picked, um, but it was the 31st overall pick with the San Jose Sharks. Um, and the uh, who was the prospect picked again? I see uh, please Weisblatt. jog my memory. Yes, Weisblatt. Um, it, what was fantastic is Doug Wilson Jr., Doug Wilson's son, um, made the announcement for the pick. And before he said uh, Weisblatt's name, um, he signed it first. And Weisblatt's mother is deaf. So the fact that he did this, uh, he sign language the pick for her um, as a, a call out to him and his family. And before saying I think it, is right? one of the... What's that? Was it before he actually said it verbally? Yeah. It was before he yeah. actually said it. Which yeah, is before just, he actually yeah. said it. That was just so much class. What a wonderful gesture from the San Jose Sharks. There's another moment in the draft that I'm sure one of you will pick, and I won't step on you for that, but this one was just one of the most heartwarming uh, uh, moments of the draft. I love to see that. I don't think we've I've ever seen that on a draft before. So good on the San Jose Sharks yeah. to, uh, with that for that classy gesture. Absolutely. Jake, what was your favorite moment of the first round? Oh, my favorite moment's got to be the one that just made us up in arms laugh. It it was a moment of joy, a moment of hilarity. One that I think I'll look back on that live stream as one of the more fun moments, which was when Buffalo just shocked the world and took Jack Quinn. It was just out of the blue. One that we saw coming, but still took us back aback. Hilarious awful 
yeah. all the all all the superlatives that you could think of, and it was just so much more. I just could not stop laughing, and it still makes me smile. Sorry, Buffalo fans, if you're listening to this, your pain caused me a lot of joy because that was an awful, awful pick. So one little anecdote to add to that: when that pick came through, and I yelled. I mean, I just could <laughs> not believe it. And my roommate actually texted me, "Is there a game on? I hear you yelling." Let's watch the game. And I had to tell him, "No, it's it's the NHL draft, and I'm screaming in reaction to a pick." Just. Just nod, nod like this is a normal thing, please. Um, Lewis, Lewis just brought this up in the chat, but I, I want to get your uh, guys' takes. Uh, over under uh, one season before Jack Eichel requests a trade. Oh, I oh. mean, rumor is he already has, but then they <laughs> yeah. denied it. So, what, uh, yeah. what a, what a first pick, by the way, for Kevin Adams. Oh, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be as bad if Rossi and Perfetti were off the board. It would but, still be bad if they were off the well, board. Well, it would be bad, but it wouldn't be just It wouldn't be, world, like, hilarious. Other worlds you know, like well, If they were off the board, then there still would be a Holtz or a Drysdale on the board. So sure. no matter what, it would be a bad pick. Sure, it would be but, but you pick. could, I feel like you could rationalize your way through that, at least to some degree. But mm. with, with Rossi and Perfetti, you just, it's a open and shut case um mm. let's do you know i feel like we just have to do this right we have to do this because everybody else does it winners and losers so cj let's start with you give me your winners and losers of the first round um i think that the kings definitely won by going by field at number two after so much speculation and discussion of um uh really of them possibly going Stutzle at number two. Um, I, I thought I could see the logic behind that, that Stutzle is probably the better player now. He's got a great skill set, um, and he has a lot less holes in his game, but Quinton Byfield is younger. He He's so much, uh, he's got such a higher ceiling. He's got just as high of a ceiling, if not greater than Lafreniere. Um, Byfield, I mean, that was just, uh, they made the right move, and I think that the Kings did not whiff on that pick whatsoever. So I'm definitely going to call them a winner. Um, I will say that I do think a loser is Washington trading up for Hendricks LaPierre. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I, I like Hendricks LaPierre a lot as a player. And I think that if he's on the ice, he's going to be a very good player. The problem is, is that he has one of the most extensive injury histories for a first round prospect I think I've ever seen. And he's already dealt with at least two or three concussions. Like, I just, I don't know. He definitely slid from his pure prospect rankings being selected by Washington there. But I still don't, like, why would you trade up for that? That The amount of risk there, I think, mm-hmm. is just it's way too high. much to take. Yeah. And I Especially just, I don't really that... understand why they would have. Now, if he yeah. was there, if they didn't trade up for him and he was available at 22 and they were in that spot, I think, okay, it's still a risk, but I could get that more. But they gave up draft capital to select him, yeah. and I'm not sure that was a good well, move. Well, also, just for Washington, isn't their whole thing right now to be good for the now, that they have to maximize... Ovechkin. They are in win now mode, right? Yep. So Lapierre yeah. doesn't really fit into that at all. Maybe he has a huge draft plus one and and becomes an NHL player sooner, but I don't think anyone is projecting that right now. So yeah, those are those are two yeah. good choices, Jake. Well, who do you got for um, us? I think a winner that I have. There's a couple easy ones, and I'll leave one of them just for you. Don't uh, worry, I won't take I, I won't uh, take your pick. <laughs> uh, um, 
But I'm going to go with the Calgary Flames as a winner. They identified probably Connor's area around 19 as being probably the player <laughs> they wanted. And it would have been defendable at the time for or defensible for them to take him at 19. Probably right right in terms of analysis. But they probably got some inkling that some other that other teams didn't rate him as high and they could move down. And they moved down to 22 and picked up a third round pick in the process. And then due to just the craziness that happened with the 19th and the or the 20th and the 21st picks, they realized they could move down yet again, and they traded down to the 24th pick and picked up another third-round pick. So they got the guy they wanted at 19, and they got two third-round picks in addition to that. That is a win. That is getting additional value. That's exactly what you want to do there. Mm-hmm. Who's your loser? And then, loser. I mean, I could say <laughs> Buffalo. Why don't you? Um, because that's the, <laughs> We already that's talked the, about That's low-hanging fruit. Yeah, we already talked about You know what? I'm going to go with the loser being the San Jose Sharks, mainly because the fact of their pick was with Ottawa. They could have had Tim Stutzla. <laughs> if they if San Jose gets wow. Tim Stutzla this year or going into next year, they're a completely different team in a completely different spot. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to go the San Jose Sharks. Okay. Well, my winner, and I do appreciate that you left this for me, this is the biggest winner of the first round. I, I sang the praise of the Anaheim Ducks. It's the Minnesota Wild at number nine, getting Marco Rossi, who in my estimation is the third best prospect in this draft class. To get him at nine is just, it's something else. It's it it's only maybe beaten by the Winnipeg Jets getting Cole Perfetti at 10. Um, but I just think that that is such a huge win. And for the Minnesota Wild, who have so desperately needed to get the next franchise player or any franchise player for that matter, Marco Rossi fits that bill. And I think that he will absolutely be that. Now, as far as losers, I have a couple that maybe some might disagree with. I don't know if I completely love what the New Jersey devils did with their three picks. So at number seven, they could have had Marco Rossi or Cole Perfetti, which I would have taken either of those guys out of Alexander Holtz. Jake, I know you disagree with at least a portion of that statement. And then at number 17, or sorry, number 18, Dawson Mercer is a fine pick. I, I have no issue with that. But then at number 20, to take Shakir, I'm, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name again, uh, Muhammad, <laughs> Muhammad Muhammaduline, I don't know, um, to take him at 20, where a lot of people didn't even have him going in the first round. Uh, and you could have had, I mean, we talked about Connor Zeri. We talked about... Jacob Perot for quite a bit of time here. Brandon Brisson, all of those would have been better picks to me than Shakir at 20. So I'm not especially high on their first round haul. I think that they're going to get at least one NHL player out of it. I think Dawson Mercer is definitely going to be that. I think Holtz has the potential to be a very good player. So it's not a terrible haul. I just think that they could have done better. And then the other multi-pick team, who I don't know if I love what they did is the Ottawa Senators. Um, now, they kind of had the the rug pulled out from underneath them with Byfield going number two, but who would you guys have taken at three? Would you have taken anyone outside of Stutzle? Uh, I would have taken Lucas Raymond. Yes, so you would have taken Raymond. CJ, I think you might have still gone Stutzle. I would have gone Stutzle at three, yeah. I would have taken Rossi or Raymond ahead of Stutzle, so... I don't know if I love that. And then taking Jake Sanderson at five, I, I understand, you know, you already got your forward, go get a defenseman. But we, I think we would generally rate Drysdale ahead of Sanderson. And then 
you had all those forwards that were still available. So it's going to make them better. They they added two high quality prospects, but it's not it's not the franchise cha- changing day that maybe it, it, it could have been. Um, um, yeah. So I want to kind of on that note, actually here, it's funny. Uh, I believe Scott Wheeler just put out his winner winners and losers ranking every team's first round. He has <laughs> the ducks as definitive winners, seventh Ooh, best draft. There you go. And, and he Damn. listed the NHL results and on it, he has a BPA column with a check and X or a squiggly line. Uh-huh. Check is definitively best player available. X is definitely not best player available. Mm-hmm. And squiggly line is in the conversation. Uh-huh. Jamie Drysdale got an in the conversation. Uh, Jacob Perot in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So two guys in the conversation, not definitively best player available, but in the conversation for that. So I think that's important that these weren't guys that are viewed as bad picks necessarily. And this is a win of a draft for the ducks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I just, I put out on Twitter that the Andre Kasha trade just got justified. And someone said, well, the NBC crew summarized Jack pro by saying that he's inconsistent and that um, he doesn't always show up. But it's like, yeah, well, if you take everything they say, uh, you know, for face value, then sure. That would be Corey Perry's probably not an NHLer. Yeah, exactly. If, so, if you go back on what they said yeah, about I mean, him. Yeah, if you if you took Pierre Maguire's advice and everything, uh, well, you know how that would go. Um, I do want to just dedicate a 30 seconds to the Columbus Blue Jackets so drafting Igor Shinakov at 21, a guy who, I don't know, was a fifth-round pick maybe, a fourth-round pick that a lot of people had pegged. Maybe you could talk yourself into third round, but what a just truly bizarre pick and the best part about it was that the nbc crew didn't have a picture of him and didn't have any footage to show by Um, the way scott wheeler did not even have him on his list yeah yeah so so there you go and i love was it you who mentioned that they that they had him that the blue jackets had him in their top 10 i think that was was cj oh yeah cj so yeah so just a little a nice little moment of draft night insanity that's all okay we got any questions yeah, so let's do this. We got a couple. I'll need entries back to find some of the older ones, but let, let's start with these two. Uh, Kempathu chimes in. And by the way, uh, Twitch stream, if you want to find us, go to twitch.tv slash crash the pond. If you like what you've been listening to, you can support us there by hitting that subscribe button. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime sub each and every month. Uh, you just have to hit that subscribe button and you get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name, and it does help out significantly. And if you just want to also support uh, without any of that, just hit follow. You'll get notified whenever you go live, so you'll be able to watch us live. Kempathu chimes in says, uh, do you think if the Sens took Drysdale at number five, the Ducks would have traded down? Because there were rumors the Ducks got offers on the sixth pick. Mm, and they I were so they were they were so set on taking drysdale i haven't thought about that down. i haven't thought about that that much but cj what do you think on that yeah i mean it, it's really interesting i'm not surprised that the ducks were getting hits on that six round pick given the fact that it was pretty much reported and i think this this was basically madden and murray talking through the media that the six pick would be on the table for a trade um, I, I think that I would not be surprised if maybe Winnipeg checked in on that pick. Um, that would make sense to me, given what they ended up getting in Cole Perfetti, and given the fact as well that obviously they're looking for defense, and the Ducks could certainly provide with some of that, and like Josh Manson or you know what what have you. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised on that. I think at the end of the day, though, um, the Ducks 
love Jamie Drysdale. They had him all along. If Drysdale wasn't on the board, I definitely could have seen the Ducks trading down. Um, but he was available, and it was pretty clear, at least from what Pierre was reporting, that uh, the Ducks weren't going to pass up on him. Yeah, my own thought on that is if Drysdale had been off the board at six. At five, you mean? Or at, Sorry, at five, yeah. Well, by the time you get to six, if, if Drysdale's yeah, yeah, off yeah. the board. I I don't know if the if the Ducks would have traded back. What if they just take Sanderson? If they, I think they probably. I would. mean, that's certainly possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I think they might have just still taken a D man. I don't know. Or you trade back to to what would have been ten, and you just kind of mm-hmm. wait and see. But I don't know who they would have picked in that range because you saw how it played out. Um, maybe mm-hmm. the Ducks end up with Cole Perfetti or Marco Rossi or who knows. I mean, it's just it's all the unknown. But I think they may have. They may have just still kept the pick and, and taken their guy that they wanted. Yep. And so Bizarre Bith said, best options for the Ducks in their second round pick. So by the time you're listening to the recorded version of this, you may already know who the Ducks took with their second round pick. <laughs> um, but any want to throw it out there, take a guess, take a shot at who they're going to take. I'll um, give each of you a guess and I'll throw mine out. So how far do you think J.J. Paterka is going to slide now? I don't think that far. I think he goes early. Because, he goes well, he's only got to go four picks. Or five picks. Five. Five, yeah. The Ducks, so. have, Ducks have 36. Yeah, so, I mean, if... Fifth pick of the round. If Paterka is there, then sure. I mean, take him. Get, grab another forward. I know you really want to see Jeremy Poirier. Um, I mean, they might be they might be able to get Jan Mishak, so that's probably... Was, who, ah, sorry. I didn't mean to steal it from you. But, no, no, it's fine. But if you, they, you brought up Poirier, so it's all good. If they can get Jan Mishak at 36, I think that's a pretty big win as well for them. CJ, any thoughts? Yeah, I think I like Jan Mishak a lot. I could definitely see them going Jeremy Poirier. I, I, I feel like that's my... Like, if, if I had to put money on who the Ducks are going to pick, I would probably put it on Poirier. Um, I, I just... I do like his game Wallinder? a lot. Ugh... See, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're gonna make it that far. And the other thing, the thing I'm I'm wondering on, and the thing that that's kind of going around in my head right now, um, Perot is an upside play with risk, right? Mm-hmm. Will the Ducks not want to make another risky pick then at second? Will they Will they stay away from Poirier as a yeah, result? Yeah, that that could be a reason to stay away. But Martin Madden is is based in Quebec, so maybe he's. Watched a lot of Poirier, yeah, and maybe, that's true. maybe he well, likes him. And the Ducks have taken some Czech players also. I think Lucas Dostal's Czech. Um, you also Andre have Kasha. obviously Andre Kasha. Mm-hmm. So there is something there. Jan Mishak was in the a- the CHL or OHL this past year, but they probably would have seen him years prior when while playing in the Czech Republic. And so I wouldn't – Jan Mishak seems like he's a little bit up – a little bit on their uh, – they're bored, and same thing with Poirier. I feel like it's unlikely he gets a 36 because there's a definite argument that she, he should have gone mm-hmm. in the first round. But, Probably. But if they can get Mishak at, at 36, I mean, this this haul just looks better and better. But we'll see. If they took a Helge Granz, if he was available, I don't think that that would be terrible. Just kind of take a nice floor play type defenseman with some upside. I mean, I, I don't think that's just, just bring in another body. I mean, restock yeah. that blue line because ultimately, look, uh, Lindholm, Fowler, Manson, these guys are going to be around forever. And what's after them right now, after Drysdale, there's not a whole lot going on there. I'm sure Josh Mahara could become something, but Jacob Larson's basically is what he is, I would say, at this point. And what he is isn't 
isn't awesome. So taking another defenseman would not be the worst thing either. Yeah, and uh, so let's get into a couple other questions. Anime Holics D94 chimes in with question. With the potential issues regarding effort with uh, Perot, the more I think about it, the more it feels like such an anti-Bob Murray pick because historically uh-huh. Bob Murray has always liked players that skate hard, work hard, finish checks, etc., Bob Murray is pretty old-fashioned, a pretty old-fashioned guy, so a player like Perot feels like goes against it. Do you think that that was a purely Martin Madden pick? Hmm. I actually don't. I think Martin Madden certainly probably had a hand in that. I think this is actually a very Bob Murray pick, and and, and you're right that this, on the surface, seems like an anti-Bob Murray pick, but you have to look back at the Ducks history with Bob Murray as the head of this team, as general manager. Bob Murray has never necessarily been a guy who will innovate and be the first guy to do something and push forward. If anything, he's a copycat, right? Mm-hmm. He likes yeah. to like mimic what other teams have done. Yeah. And we talked a lot about Arthur Kaliev. We saw that Arthur Kaliev had a, almost all the same critiques um, that uh, Jacob Perot has. And so that Kaliev pick has worked out so far extremely well for the Kings and is now one of the top prospects. I would not be surprised if he remembered that Kaliev pick, saw that Jacob Pro was on the board, and went, okay, you know what, I'm going to go this route here because it clearly worked out for them. Why can't it work out for me? Now, I think that there's definitely issues with that thought process, but there's a lot of history of Bob Murray doing something similar year after year. Yeah, I I wouldn't totally put it past Murray just because I think even if you have a certain view of his philosophy about this team, any just rational person would look at it and say, okay, you got your D-man, now maybe take a swing at a forward, right? It's it's not this crazy thought that is just Mm -hmm. so far above, so just beyond what Bob Murray could possibly think. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if it was purely a Martin Madden pick. Maybe it was, but that's... Either way, I, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. Martin Madden having an elevated voice might might not be the worst thing in the world either. Um, was there another part to that question? No, that was it. I oh, got okay. we got a we got a couple more questions. So okay. let's just keep on keep on uh, trucking along. Compared to yesterday, are you significantly more hopeful for the future of the Dick Ducks franchise, especially if Terry Steele, Comtois Jones, Mahara Gooley all take a big step forward next season? I think that I I am significantly more enthusiastic, more confident, simply because now you have more of a margin for error. You don't need all of those guys that you just described to take a step. You maybe need one Correct. or two because now you have more lottery tickets, and they're good lottery tickets. So I think that, yeah, you have to be more confident. I don't know if the Ducks are trending towards cup contender right now, but, yeah. but they are trending towards being a really good playoff team if everything kind of breaks breaks right here so yeah i think you have to be more optimistic and and i think that um i think let me know if either of you disagree i think jacob perot has a higher ceiling than any of those other players and i think that's an oh, important yeah. thing here is oh yeah the 27 100 sure. they, they got a guy yeah. that has a higher ceiling than any of those players we've talked but about. he's we've also, long talked about he's also got a potentially low floor one thing to keep in that, mind very tr- very very true but all of all of those guys we've long talked about as being second line players mm-hmm. um but yeah, it, so it, it's one of those things that uh, I'm feeling more confident, definitely going forward. I think that they, they've set themselves up well. I mean, CJ, any other thoughts? Yeah, I, I just think that 
again, I, I still don't really see a clear path to them, uh, to the Ducks getting back to cup contention, but there definitely is a path now towards getting back to playoff contention. And this is a team that I definitely feel a lot better about. Not all of those guys that you listed are going to uh, pan out. In fact, I'd say at this point, the Ducks will be lucky if one of them takes a significant step forward. Um, I do. I am a little bit skeptical about that. But as Felix said, these picks, I think, do give the Ducks more room for a margin of error. I think that they have, they've basically hedged their bets here they've got guys with higher upside um they've got guys who i think are going to have a really good chance at contributing a lot of offense for this team in the near future and look bob murray has said in the past uh, recently that look we need to focus on scoring we need to work on scoring and while he hasn't always followed up with that i think that especially with the jacob perot pick he has somewhat lived up to his word with that the fact that we now have a prospect who I think is uh, more than likely assuming that um, the flaws are taken care of, that he can get the peak compete level taken care of, is is going to be a, a an absolute steal of a pick for the Ducks. So I feel more confident, but um, I, I will say, though, that if like two to three of those guys take a next big step forward and Troy Terry, Max Jones, Sam Steele, whatever it is, if, if they take big steps forward and legitimately become potential top six guys, then at that point, I think you start seeing a much clearer path towards potential cup contention. All right. So let's get to this question. After what we saw tonight with how the first round tri- uh, panned out, should the Ducks have looked to move Manson or Henrique or even Silverberg for another first round pick? If they could have and granted, this couldn't have been done on the draft floor because of how things, how guys were falling. People may have uh, adjusted their value of their draft pick. But if you could have, in uh, hindsight, said the Ducks could have potentially gotten Winnipeg's first for Adam Henrique, for mm-hmm. instance, knowing that that first round pick became Cole Perfetti. And now, granted, it may have needed to be a little bit more to get that first out of there. Should the Ducks have looked to do that? Well... So I think what was more more out there was the Ducks could move like I no I agree okay but I, I get looking I at looking at that sure if you could if you could get the tenth pick for Henrique and or Manson on top of the sixth and twenty seventh then yeah you do it no doubt you do that and yeah they would have been significantly better off adding another top flight prospect but I think what was more out there was hey would the Ducks take a guy to help them now and move back to 10, right? I think that that, or move back to wherever um, in in exchange for a little help, and then they allow that team to move up. Um, I think that that would have been much, much worse than how this played out. And and I think if you're a Ducks fan, you should feel like they dodged a bullet because it was out there that the Ducks were open to moving down um, for some immediate help. You know, so on top of getting that, that 10th, 12th, whatever pick, you also get a roster player. I think that that would have been a much worse outcome than, than how they did here. Yep. Um, okay. CJ, any thoughts? Nope. <laughs> All right. So you get my thoughts and yeah. anime. Holics, anime Holics D 94 said question. Do you think that some of the kids will be on the chopping block soon if they don't show progress in their development? No, I don't think so. They're, they're, I think, I think they have a couple years still. Yeah. I mean, it, we're, we're talking about one additional forward here one additional D-man. Um, there's still plenty of plenty of time for everybody here. 
All right, LewisX209 asks, question, can we keep bugging the Ducks on throwback uniforms? There's a whole lot of teams that are going back <laughs> in time with the Calgary Flames, yeah. for instance, going back. Arizona, did well, they... Well, remember, su- supposedly every single team this coming season is supposed to be getting a throwback third jersey, and the rumor is that the throwback third jersey for the Ducks is that it's going to be the Wild Wing jersey, the one bursting out of the ice. I have um, not heard this. Which would be... I have not heard this be... either. This is news to me. Yep, um, that this is that's Breaking. the rumor going Breaking. around. Not sure how. Well, not sure how much it would happen, but if that happened, I would be so on board because that jersey is so tacky, but in the absolute best way possible. Well, so you see the Senators going back to their their two D look, which I think is the absolute right call. Um, the Flames going full retro. Um, do I mean I know CJ where you stand on this? I don't think you would support the Ducks going back to to where it all started. It sounds like you you are breaking news also to people in our Twitch chat. So if this is real, a lot of people are going <laughs> well, crazy. Well, I think right what now. I think what you I mean, may take be the refer- rumor. It's, like I said, it's a rumor. Take it with a well, grain the, of salt. I know I that, the, the, that the NHL I think is moving to four jerseys next season. I think so. Yep. I think that may be what we're talking about here. But CJ, you don't support the Ducks going back to eggplant and jade. It wouldn't be a Ducks podcast that's talking about this. Yeah, Jer- uh, jerseys you know are an important part about the they Ducks. Are, they are. They are. Yeah, you know what? You know what I will say. Um, I will say that. Look, I'm not a fan of them going back to full time home away of the eggplant in teal, but I have come around on the fact that I do believe that they should go back to the Mighty Ducks logo for the primary logo and use the web footed D as the secondary logo on the shoulder patch, similar to what they have with the orange third jersey right now. I would be down with that, but with the current color scheme. Just get rid of the piping and the gold. I hate the gold on the current jerseys. Um, give me, you know, a little bit more orange. That I like that mixture of orange and black. Um, but with the uh, the Mighty Ducks logo, I, I'd definitely be a fan of going that route. Yeah, and just just because I know someone's gonna point this out to us, it's eggplant and jade, not eggplant and teal. Sorry, eggplant and jade. Sharks or yeah, teal? How, my bad. <laughs> how dare you? Um, how? Uh, yeah, sorry I, for disappointing I don't think you all. that from an aesthetic perspective, I would go for all, you know, just go fully back to the eggplant and jade just because I, I do think that the orange has kind of gotten its seat at the table. I mean, heck, the Ducks won a Stanley Cup with orange as part of their palette, although it wasn't really a, a dominating part of it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think that I, I do agree that some version of their third jersey now, the orange with the Mighty Duck logo, maybe you dial back the orange maybe you just one mock-up that i've really liked is basically the eggplant and jade jersey layout but just using black and orange as opposed to those colors i think that that would be fine just that um i'm also someone who actually liked the, the jerseys the ducks had in 07 to 09 i'm or, I'm, <laughs> I'm on board with I that hated those jerseys. yeah i'm on board with that <laughs> yeah so jake where are you i think it's a better this? look um i think a throwback jersey is always good i think Here's my thing. The eggplant and jade is always going to be part of the Ducks history. Yeah. It's a glorious, glorious jersey. I think that there has been too much made in the way of orange, and I do like the symmetry between them being the Orange County team and having orange. I think there is something nice there. Mm-hmm. I do think, though, they should at least have yeah. the eggplant and jade jersey as a third jersey. They or, should. Yeah, or fourth, or fourth jersey. At I a bare minimum, that... it should be part of their slate. Yeah. 
exactly exactly and it's there for historical purposes things like that and maybe eventually go back to it maybe they they yeah well well, also i mean from a business perspective think about how many of those they would sell (laughs) oh my god they would sell those out in a heartbeat and not just to ducks fans that would be extremely popular for fans across the league oh yeah i mean you saw when the ducks had their 25th anniversary jersey bad jersey bad jersey yeah but it was popular even even in mainstream uh culture oh yeah it was still a bad jersey yeah it was not a bad. Nope. It is not a bad. Jersey. You are incorrect. I'll die on that hill. Well, bad is just way too strong. Hill. If you want to say that it's could have been done <sighs> mediocre. better, mediocre. <laughs> I think it's a fine jersey, but um, yeah, no, I I do, not I, I do think that it would be really cool if they had the the original Mighty Duck jerseys, and if there was some way to pull this off, maybe a home game after a, a road stretch where you can also change the logo on the ice to like a mighty full-on mighty ducks night where everything looks like you know with mighty ducks logos that would be that would be cool it doesn't have to happen a bunch of times a year but maybe a handful of times i think bad elbow people would like that bad elbow chimes in it's such an easy way to grow the fan base and i think that's so true and it, it harkens back to something that a lot of people have nostalgia for that kind of brought them to the sport that brought them to the team and so you can you can hook those people back in and I think that if you have a version of it as your main jerseys that go with the kind of traditional colors now, that and that's that's perfect. I like how this is becoming I mean, a think jersey of, pod. If, think of how many people our age, if you like, I've seen so many people on social media and otherwise our, our age, the millennial age, um, say that they became fans of hockey because of the Mighty Ducks oh, yeah. movies. Yeah. Like um, our uh, John Broadbent, who we worked with over at Anaheim Calling and who does now defend the Ness San Diego, that's the entire reason he became a fan is because he was such a, a fan of those movies. And if some guy in New Zealand can become a fan from that, then you're going to see it all over the place. So I think yeah. the nostalgia play would get a lot of people yeah. um, you know, talking about the Ducks again. Yep. Yeah. All right. I got one. I got one more question. This comes from me. Oh, have the ha, have the ducks improved? And this was something I brought up on the on the live stream. But you know, let, let's give the people what they want. Some <laughs> some hard hitting analysis that you're only oh, gonna yes. find here from the Crash the Pond podcast. Give it to me. Has the ducks flow game improved after today? So hell yeah, boy. I'm looking at Jacob Perot's headshot here. Just, Jacob Perot, I'm not sure on. Jamie Drysdale's the one yeah, I'm thinking of. His flow, but. Jamie Drysdale has a thick head of hair, and he does not seem to cut it very often. So, no. Him and Zegras, um, John Gibson. I mean, even if like Troy Terry were. Hampus to... Lindholm has good flow. So does Ricky. I don't think Hampus Lindholm has good flow. No. Lindholm, I think, I Lindholm I does not. Raquel does. Uh, Raquel does. Uh, I think Silverberg. When Raquel he, when for he, sure. When Silverberg grows it out a bit, and he's got the full on, like, just platinum blonde we don't call him malfoy for nothing (laughs) yeah so yeah flow game definitely just took a massive uh step forward that we can there you go there you go the value (laughs) in the ducks roster for flow has just increased significantly oh well you guys got anything left i'm all good this has been a really fun day i want to give a shout out by the way to everyone who joined us on the live stream Mm mm-hmm we went for what three hours, forty-five minutes, yep. and I think we we were averaging at about sixty-six people for most uh, for the show, and we topped out at two hundred different or two hundred and twenty-five different unique people. 
Mm -hmm. uh, that joined us in that uh, live stream for the three hours and 45 minutes. So thank you so much for everyone that joined us. Thank you for everyone. There were people that stayed in our Twitch chat just to chat uh, throughout uh, (laughs) while we were, we were off recuperating, trying to uh, re-energize. Yes. And and stayed in the Twitch chat, just going at it with each other, talking and different things like that. So it's nice to have something exciting to talk about for the duck. So I want to just say thank you to everyone who's joined us today. And, Thank you to everyone who's going to be reading our content, listening to this, everything like that. We really appreciate it. you are all of you out there are the reasons why we do this and why we we keep chugging along, why we've been on air for five hours today, basically six. And, well, and six, something six? that I will, yeah, yeah it's ridiculous. And wow. something that I will add on here is that remember we have more uh, draft content coming tomorrow with the uh, the the rest of the draft, and then also remember uh, what day exactly does the free agency period is open it again? Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. It's Saturday. So we're going to see, I think we're going to see a lot of trades. We're going to see a lot of free agent signings. Who knows how involved the Ducks will be. I think a lot of us would like to see the Ducks be involved in that. So uh, keep Hall, you know, keep Anaheim. it tuned here. Um, I think we're going to have a lot more to talk about in the coming week or so. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I mean, just to echo what's been said uh, and from what Jake was saying, I mean, thank you guys so much. It's been a long, what is it now? I mean, we're on seven months, really, of no new Ducks content. I mean, there's been a few signings here and there. So to have this big event that is always the draft, but also to have it after such an extended period of nothing new for the Ducks, um, to see the outpouring of support, to see people really want to just get back into the swing. At most, it sounds like we're maybe two to three months away from the Ducks hitting the, the ice for regular season games. It's It's good. It feels like we're getting slowly back into the swing we're gonna have the free agency period so it's gonna be a lot of fun thank you a few ways that you can support the show here um jake i mean we've, we've already talked about it a million times but we do a live stream of these shows it's at twitch.tv slash crash the pond uh, if you're an amazon prime member you actually get a free twitch subscription and that goes a long way you get a free subscription if you do subscribe it goes a long way to help the show you get some cool emotes in the chat it just goes a long way now Another way that you can support us, we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash crash the pond. For a dollar a month, you get access to our patrons-only Discord chat, which tomorrow I think could be a little buzzing because we do have rounds two through seven, which I'm sure we'll be discussing. And then so for and then we also do live chats when the Ducks are playing games, uh, a game chat in there. Now, for $5 a month, you still get access uh, to the chat, but you also get two bonus episodes a month. So if you enjoy the back and forth, the banter, um, I mean, that's you get a lot of that with the bonus episodes, but you also get uh, a deeper dive into some Ducks topics and league-wide topics as well. Different avenues uh, that you can support us for free. So on Apple Podcasts, uh, if you just search Crash the Pond, uh, it's as easy as just typing us in, selecting us, scrolling down, and just hitting the five-star rating, and you're done. But if you do want to take a step further, leave a review that goes a long way. Um, it helps us climb the charts, but also we just love hearing from you guys. Um, it's it's very validating for our work. Uh, we are on Spotify. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. Make sure that you subscribe there and uh, turn on notifications. Uh, a lot of people like getting their podcast through video, and that is what we do there. Make sure to check out crashthepond.com like CJ and Jake we're saying we've got articles coming up there this week. That's at Crash the Pond on Twitter and on Facebook. CJ is on Twitter at CJ Woodling. Jake is on Twitter at Reindeer Games 91. 
And I am on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. That's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you at the next show. Bye. Later.